0: just a little review. Uh, the book of Titus, it's a letter from the Apostle Paul uh, to this young pastor, Titus. Uh, appears as if they did some evangelistic work on the island of Crete, and Paul moved on to uh, minister in other areas. Titus was left behind to help establish the churches. Um, and so Paul wrote this letter to Titus um, to encourage him in a few things. And uh, in verse... It, Chapter 1, verse 5. Uh, you don't have to turn there, but it's, Paul says why he's writing the letter and why, why he's sending, why he left uh, Titus in Crete. He said, This is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. And so we looked in chapter one and we saw a, really a contrast between a godly church leader and a false teacher. Uh, Paul addresses both groups in chapter one. Uh, then in chapter two, uh, a lot of practical instruction for us in Christian living. Uh, of course, we were reminded that um, it, is the, it is the truth of the gospel that trains us, that teaches us what it's like to follow Christ. And there were some real practical uh, um teaching in chapter two. We have to remember that Crete was a, was a pagan island. They worshiped uh, any and everything it seemed like. Uh, they were not um, upright, Uh, moral citizens as we would define them today. They, they, it was a free for all on the island of Crete and the church was young and needed uh, instruction and needed strong leadership. And so that's why uh, Paul wrote this letter to Titus who was uh, there on the island of Crete. So chapter three this morning, uh, Paul starts off, he says, I want you to remind them. And I see really three things that Paul's reminding them this morning. One is that we all need salvation. And that's true of us today. Uh, Number two, he reminds them of the doctrine of salvation. What does it actually mean to be saved? And then uh, number three, the reason for our salvation. So we're gonna look at those three things this morning. See if you see them as we read together, uh, verses one through 10. Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. And these are the verses that uh, uh, Rachel read for us this morning, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. The saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These are excellent and profitable for people. But avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. As for a person who stirs up division after warning him once and then twice, have nothing more to do with him. Knowing that such a person is warped and sinful, he's self-condemned. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word this morning. Uh, We thank you for the truth that's in it. We thank you that um, the truth of the gospel has changed uh, our lives this morning. Uh, For those of us who put our faith and trust in you, you are making us a new creation. You are renewing our souls and you use your word uh, to teach us and train us. And I pray, Lord, that uh, our time looking at your word this morning uh, would be used in that manner. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So In these opening verses here, Chapter Three, I think we see our need for salvation and there 's some some practical instruction and and then uh, there 's a contrast, a real contrast here for someone who is a follower of Christ and someone who 's not a follower of Christ so um, we see remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities to be obedient to be ready for every good work some practical instruction good for us uh this morning and we looked at this idea of being submissive to rulers and authorities when we were studying in in uh, peter of last year and uh, i think it's it's pretty straightforward our rulers are today would be our elected officials uh, the and 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 by extension maybe the laws of the land that we're we're called to follow Um, authority would be probably broader Uh, So the kids have left, but we've got some kids that are still here, so uh, authority would be parents. Um, Authority would be a teacher in a classroom or an employer in the workplace, Um, even leaders in the church. And we are called to submit to leaders. We are called to submit to authorities. And uh, it's it's a clear teaching of scripture, it's not just here, it's in other places, and we should. Uh, Be good citizens of the land, I think it's, it's calling us to be. But then it says, be ready for every good work. Now, if it said, just be ready for good works, that would be an easier statement, right? But it says, be ready for every good work. And, and I'm sure, I mean, I know uh, uh, most of you uh, reasonably well. Some of you I don't know well at all. But we're, we're a, a church I feel like we are willing to do good work. Uh, the, 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 the ministry that happens on a, on a daily basis, and a big amen came from Ray. He's uh, part of a group of guys that built two uh, wheelchair ramps for families in the, in the last month. We're, we're ready to do good works but are we ready for every good work? That's where it's hard for me, because I'm willing to do a lot of things, but I don't want to do necessarily everything. And it reminds me when I was a firefighter, you'd go to work in the morning, you'd have a plan of things you were hoping to accomplish during the day, but then the tones would drop. And it didn't matter what you were doing, you would stop, and you'd get on one of the trucks and you would go and respond to the call. Now, it would have been inconceivable for us to hear the tones drop, go out to the truck, and say, I don't think we wanna do that one. <laughs> what do you think, Kevin, would that fly? <laughs> no, we, we were ready for any and every call that came in, and in in this, t- this teaching in, the, in this verse is, be ready not for good works, we're all, ready to, we're all ready to do something good, but this says to be ready for every good work. Now, it doesn't mean that any one of us can do it all, but together we can do the things that God's calling us to do. All right, so be ready for every good work. I think we all have a tendency to want to pick and choose what we will do and what we won't do. Speak evil of no one and avoid quarreling. Be gentle, show perfect courtesy toward all people. I think this is just calling us to be kind, respectful followers of Christ. Uh, We talked about um, in in chapter two this idea of slander and speaking poorly of people. Uh, In this verse it says speaking evil, don't speak evil of anyone. And isn't that the way that our culture lives? I mean, it's our nature not to not always be kind and gentle and we, we, we look for, out for ourselves, but harshness, criticism, impatience, shortness, isn't that how we tend to respond to people? It's the response of our flesh. And it's not that we can't be courteous, it's not that we can't be kind, it's not that we can't be gentle. I look out and I see a lot of married couples Right, you didn't didn't, didn't woo your loved one with harshness and criticism and speaking evil of them, right? So I know you're capable of it. And we do it easily when it's to our advantage with a loved one or with someone in authority or someone we're trying to impress or someone we want something from. But do we treat everyone that way? What about the person we don't particularly like? We know that we disagree on some fundamental issues. You know, the, the poor guy or girl that's just trying to earn a living and we need, we need information from him on the phone. Do we treat everyone this way or do we just treat the people that we want something in return this way? It says be courteous, perfectly courteous toward all people. And it's important because that's the the response of the Spirit of God that's in us. The response of our flesh is to be harsh and to be critical and to speak evil, but the response of the Spirit of God in us is to be kind and to be courteous and to be gentle. Galatians 5.17 talks about this contrast. For the flesh craves what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are opposed to each other, so that you do not do what you want. There's a contrast between what our flesh wants, which is just to look out for me, and what the spirit wants, which is to look to the interest of others. All right, so this is some encouragement, some of what we should be doing, some of what we should be avoiding. But listen here in verse three, there's a real contrast here. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others, and hating one another. That's a description of you and me, which is why we sing, Pastor Darrell, I'm amazed that he loves me. We've we've gotta look at this verse and say, yeah, those are terrible people. We, we can't look at it like that. We have to look at this verse and see ourselves. We're not good people that God made better through his son Jesus. We are foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to passions, passing our days in malice, hating one another and hating, hated by others and hating one another. We're not, we're not a bunch of good people that the church is lucky to have. I don't, think you've, I don't think you believe that this morning. I think you'll agree with me when I say, we're just a bunch of sinners. Look at verse four. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Despite of who we were, despite of who we are, God showed up with his love and his goodness and his kindness and he saved us. And that's why I think we're told in verse two to speak evil of no one because that's not what God did to us. If anyone had the right to speak evil of a bunch of people that would have been God towards us but instead in his love and his goodness and his kindness he reached out and saved us. And so I think in these first verses we see that we all need salvation. You agree with that? Yes. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our savior appeared, he saved us. And, and here we have in these next verses, the doctrine of salvation. You can say, what were we saved from? Well, sin and unrighteousness. Each one of us going on our own way, our, our selfish ambitions. Uh, Specifically, he mentions foolishness, disobedience, malice, envy, hatred. And look at verse 5 with me. He saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness. Could it be more clear than that verse right there? We are not saved because of our goodness. We are not saved because of our good works. We talked about last week. We're not saved because of our religious denomination. We're not saved because of the family we grew up in. We're not saved because we got baptized. We are saved according to his own mercy according to the mercy of God. So mercy, a definition of mercy would be uh, kindness or goodwill towards the miserable and the afflicted joined with a desire to help them. It goes, I, go, I think about that first in the first or second verse, be ready for every good work. Now the mercy of God really is narrowed down to be more specific. It says we're saved because of his mercy, the mercy of God is, is when God looked at us sinners, the miserable, the afflicted, and he decided to help us. That's God's mercy towards us. What we deserved was death. Romans six twenty three: the wages of sin is death, but in his mercy, he withheld that punishment from us. Isn't that good news this morning? So salvation begins with the mercy of God withholding from us the wrath that we deserve. And then he gives us his grace that we don't deserve. He saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness but according to his own mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. Scripture sometimes uses figures of speech to help us understand uh, what's happening, and this is one of them. The washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. We We didn't get a bath when we got saved, but within we were cleansed, we were cleaned. First John 1, 7 says if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin. Now none of us have ever been in a, a physical bloodbath to cleanse our sins. It's a figure of speech. And so here is when he says that we are um, the washing of regeneration, it is it is an illustration to help us understand what happens. The Holy Spirit comes into us and cleanses us. First Corinthians chapter six, verse eleven, uh, another verse using a lot of the same verbiage as we have here in Titus. It says, and such were some of you, and again, they were given a description of, of the, the sinful background that many of the believers came from, uh, and it says this, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. You were cleansed, you were made holy, you were declared righteous in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. We put our faith in Jesus, and the Spirit of God comes into us and cleanses us. I think I asked uh, Craig to put verses five, six, and seven together on a slide. We got that? Okay. So watch watch the progression. I'm gonna just jump back up to verse five. He saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness. It's not because of our good works, God did the work of salvation in his life, in our lives, and he did it according to his mercy. He withheld the the wrath, he withheld the punishment that we deserved as sinners. And the Holy Spirit came in by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. We're washed, we're cleansed, we're renewed. That's what the Holy Spirit does at our salvation. Our sins were removed and we were made clean. And we're talking about a supernatural activity happening inside of us at our salvation. It's not a physical washing with water, but we were washed and made new by the Holy Spirit of God. And this Holy Spirit, it continues, uh, is whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs. Salvation comes through Jesus Christ. So, um, Acts chapter four verse 12 says, there's salvation in no one else for there is no name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. We are justified by his grace, this verse says, or we are declared righteous through the name of Jesus. We're gonna jump to Romans chapter three to see how that, how that works, how that comes to be. Um, And in romans 3 paul in in this chapter as well describing our inability to do good as humans and if you get to verse 22 it says this the righteousness of god comes through faith in jesus christ for all who believe when we believe and put our faith in the work of jesus christ on the cross we get the righteousness of god imputed or given to us for there is no distinction all have sinned and fall short of the glory of god And are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. We are declared righteous when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Nothing else. Not through works of righteousness, Paul wrote to Timothy. We're declared righteous. The Holy Spirit comes in and cleanses us and makes us new. And the... and the result is we have, in verse seven here of, of Titus, we become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Jesus, after his resur- resurrection from the grave, went to be with the Father, and that is our hope, that we are heirs with Jesus, and we too will join him in heaven when we die. This is the, this is the hope of our salvation. He shows us our need for salvation, then he shows us the doctrine of salvation, and then he shows us what should be the result of our salvation. Verse eight, the saying is trustworthy and I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. Verse five tells us, says it's not our good works that saves us, And then in verse 8, he says, But because you have been saved, you should devote yourself to good work. It's useful, it's profitable. There's value in doing good works. We're going to come back to the idea of good works in a minute because Paul addresses one other thing. In, In contrast to the things that are excellent and profitable, doing good, He says, avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. Now maybe there's a specific issue that Paul is addressing uh, that's happening on the island of Crete that we're not aware of, the scripture doesn't say, uh, but it's clear there is no profit from foolish debate and arguing. There, there's, this is not a prohibition on, on debating theology or doctrine, um, although I say it, it would say even, even with that, at some point, if you disagree with someone, it's just time to say, we both love God, we, we both uh, believe in the mercy and grace of God that saves us through faith uh, in the work of Jesus Christ, and we're gonna disagree on some of these other things. But, but the, these discussions are different. Uh, The topics of these discussions are foolish, they're controversial, they're they're dissensions, they're quarrels. This isn't just good debate over theology. This was foolishness. This was wasted uh, arguing and uh, apparently leads to division because in verse 10 it says, as for the person who stirs up division... So perhaps these controversies and dissensions and quarrels is really just creating division in the church instead of uh, deepening faith and deepening knowledge and deepening understanding, we're just, really just dividing people. There's a very strong warning here in verse 10. As for a person who stirs up division, after warning him once and then twice, have nothing more to do with him. Now remember, we, we already read there in, in, uh, in Titus chapter one that Paul's writing to Titus to uh, put things into order in the, in the churches. And so uh, the one who was creating division within the church needed to be addressed by the church leaders. And it should be warned once. And if that person insists on creating division and, and, and uh, f- uh, foolish controversies and dissension and quarrels, then they are to be warned a second time. And if that person continues to stir up division and strife, then have nothing more to do with them. I think we need to make sure when we, heaven forbid that we come into this situation in our church that we reach out to to this individual in love, out of compassion, out of care, the way Jesus dealt with us, admonishing them, encouraging them in the word. And I think really the issue is not that someone was divisive. I don't think the issue that there was a dissension. I don't think the issue was that there was quarreling, but that there was a refusal to submit to the church leadership. And going back to the first verse of this chapter, remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities and to be obedient. So Paul is giving instruction uh, to the church to say there should be order within the church and if there is someone who's divisive, who's quarreling, uh, who's stirring up foolish controversies and refuses to act in no other way then to have nothing more to do with them. I think that is a, is a very, uh, would be a very serious uh, decision, it would not be something that would be taken lightly. And let's just pray as a church that we would have unity and that we would not have to deal with these types of things. That when we have a controversy or different opinions and we can come and we can sit down and we can discuss them in love and compassion and understanding, basing our discussion on the word of God, that we could come to resolution and reconciliation and have unity among one another. That would be our goal. Let me read verse 12 through 15. When I send uh, Artemis or Tychicus to you, do your best to come to me at Nicopolis, for I have decided to spend the winter there. Do your best to speed Zenos the lawyer and Apollos on their way, see that they lack nothing. Okay, you are gonna get back to good works here. And let our people learn to devote themselves to good works so as to help cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. All who are with me send greetings to you. greet those who love us in the faith. Grace be with you all. Look at verse 13, excuse me, 14. Let our people learn to devote themselves to good works so as to help cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. So if you are devoting yourselves to good works, if you are helping those who are in need, you are being fruitful. You'd be unfruitful if you would say that's I don't have time for that uh, that's that somebody else can take care of that but when we devote ourselves to those things we are being fruitful so in verse 1 we're called to be ready for every good work in verse 8 uh, it says devote yourselves to good works and then because they are excellent and profitable for people and then here in verse 14 we are to learn to vote, to devote ourselves to good works and to help those who were in urgent need. That sounds a lot like mercy. God saved us according to his mercy. God looked at us and saw cases of urgent need. And when we put our faith and trust in Jesus, he saves us according to his mercy. So we could talk, um, I I think uh, there are all kinds of good works that we could talk about this morning or um, good things that we could become involved with, but I I think I'm going to let the Holy Spirit talk to you individually about the good things that you could become involved in and just touch again on this idea of mercy before we go. Remember, mercy is, is not treating someone the way that they deserve to be treated, withholding wrath or punishment, or, or a, a vindictive response. And Jesus told us that we are to be merciful just as God is merciful. We know God was merciful to us to save us, but look at Luke chapter six, verses 32 through 36 with me. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, What benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. So here's the contrast. But love your enemies and do good. And lend and expect nothing in return. And your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. He was kind to us, wasn't he? And now verse 36, be merciful even as your Father is merciful. I think that should maybe be our prayer this morning as we leave. Lord, who would you have me to be merciful to? It's easy to love those who love us. It's easy to care about those who care about us. It's easy to uh, be kind and courteous and respectful for, to those who we know will get the, the same in return. But what about those others? We've all got somebody, right? <laughs> what, what about those who've never put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ? If we are not merciful to them and we claim to be followers of God, how will we win them to say, come know my merciful God, who I am following and trying to be like, when we are not, in fact, being merciful? We see here this morning, we see our need for salvation, we see what salvation is, it's putting our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and then we see what should be the result of our salvation, that we would go and do good works, that we would be merciful to people in the same way that God has been merciful to us. Why don't you bow your heads? We're gonna close in, in prayer this morning before we welcome some new members. And maybe, maybe this morning, uh, you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus before. You sit there this morning, you say, he's not my savior. But you, re- you, you, you were listening as we read from these verses and you, you know I'm selfish, I'm disobedient, I've been led astray, I'm self-seeking. God in his mercy sent his son to die on the cross for, for the sins of all mankind and when we put our faith and trust in him, He saves us. And so this morning you could just admit that you're a sinner and you could believe that Jesus died for your sins and that when he died, he wasn't uh, stuck in the grave, but that he rose from the dead and promises to take us to the Father when we leave this earth. Maybe we just need to be reminded about how good our salvation is and to be amazed that you love us and that you care for us. That we need to be reminded that it's not our goodness that saves us, but it is the work of Jesus that saves us. And because he's done this great thing for us, sinners, that we would then have the heart to go and do the same. God, would you uh, reveal to us the areas where we need to be more like you, where we need to show mercy, Lord, would you prepare us to do the good works that you put into our lives this week? Not one of us can do everything, but we can all do the things that you are asking us as individuals to do. And would you open our hearts to that this week? Father, we love you. We want to uh, imitate you, we want to reflect you, we want to represent you well. Lord, would you uh, with your spirit that came into us and, and cleansed us, would you empower us to do the things that you're calling us to do this week? I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.